If your marriage is sexless, there is a way back to rekindling intimacy. It's not easy, but it might not be as impossible as you think either. And we'll help you understand some potential causes and then give you some direction to start pointing your marriage relationship back towards the wonder and joy of sex. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode 112, and we're going to be talking about roommate marriages, also known as sexless marriages. If you feel like this or you're headed in this direction, then today's show will be a big help for you and your spouse. And last week we answered the question, is my marriage beyond repair? If you missed that episode, be sure to go back and grab it. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from Verlinda and I. Verlinda and me? Yeah. Verlinda and me. Well, you would never say miss any upcoming shows from I. No, but I wasn't saying that. Yeah, I know, but that's how you can tell whether you should say me or I. Okay. You are absolutely right. That's the third time I've said that in our marriage. <laughs> I'm sure it's the first. <laughs> no, actually, I remember you told me that once before. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to remember that. Mm-hmm. All right. Not only do we help your marriage, we help you with your grammar. <laughs> so let's talk about roommate marriages, babe. Okay. Uh, it's actually more common than I thought. And researchers found that about 16% of marriages, what, it's one six, identify as sexually inactive. Wow. However, what was surprising is that the research about this is not as common as you might expect. So let's define the sexless marriage first. So there was a study from 2008. They were looking particularly at marriages in which one spouse greatly desires sex to be a part of the relationship, but is forced to remain what they called involuntarily celibate due to the wishes of their spouse. Okay. Now they define it involuntary celibacy as desiring any form of sexual contact with one's partner, but having been unable to maintain such contact consistently for at least six months prior to being interviewed, like interviewed for the research study that they did. Yeah. So no sex for six months. Yeah. But they also said, you know what? Six months is not the gold standard. And what they are saying is that the six month mark acknowledges that people often go without sexual contact for weeks and months, but at some point they start to worry. Our choice of six months was somewhat arbitrary, but we suggest that the length of time one has been celibate is not as important as whether one self-defines as involuntarily celibate. So whether it's their choice or not. No definition or not. Like whether you say you are. Let me put it in plain English here. Well, that's what I mean by their their choice. choice. To define themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So basically. So some people are voluntarily celibate. Like I remember a teacher in university. Yes. Was telling us. I'm not sure why, but. That's different. This is being married and being it being a sexless like marriage, but not your choice to have it that way. Yes. So you're committed okay. to monogamy, yeah. but your spouse is saying no. Ouch. Okay. So bottom line on that kind of is that your marriage is sexless if your spouse thinks it is or if you do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Another study that just kind of looked at the marriages where there was sexual inactivity and studied them. They found a similar thing that there are 16% of marriages that have been sexually inactive. This is a different study. But they found that in these marriages, there was more unhappiness in the marital relationship. There was increased likelihood of separation. There was a more of a lack of shared activities. And there were fewer arguments over sex. Hmm. And so their conclusion was these are not happy, stable marriages in which the spouses simply do not have sex. 
And they mm, said, okay. lack of sexual activity may be a danger signal for many marriages. So I just wanted to put that in there as kind of a heads up to say, you know, this might be your marriage and you're not worried about it. That's a possibility. Yeah. And I'm asking you to worry about it and do something about it. Okay. Okay. Because it's a sign of other things. It's not just... It's a sign that everything may not be right. Huh. So, yeah, don't kind of settle in on this and think that it's okay. Okay. And and so now knowing that this is a problem here, mm-hmm. the next shift that I want us to kind of step through is to think about what I've just called the problem as maybe being more of a symptom of a problem than the problem itself. Yeah. So, you know, at one level, when, when we're thinking about this, sexlessness in marriage or the sexual inactivity, it is a problem because if it doesn't change, you may try to fill that need somewhere else. So it represents a threat in that sense. Yeah. But think of it as a symptom. And I want you to think of it this way, because if you take care of the relationship itself, your marriage relationship, you'll probably see this part take care of itself. That's where I'm going here. Okay. And so even in my approach to marriage counseling, I don't spend a lot of time with couples talking about sex. I just dive into repairing and reawakening the bond that exists between the couple. And when that secure emotional connection, that love is thriving again, I usually find out when I I then begin to ask about this part of their marriage that they've sorted out the sex issue by themselves. Like it needs very little work. Yeah. Even though they might come to you as this is the problem. Yeah. It's actually just a symptom of a deeper problem. Now that's not the only approach to marriage counseling. There's another approach which I sometimes draw on more as a and add on to what I'm doing with this approach here, which yeah. is emotionally focused couples therapy. There's another approach by a guy called Schnarch, who basically says, if you fix everything that's happening in the marriage bed, you fix the rest of the marriage. So it's very direct, okay. right? And okay. that, that works too. So they both have their ways. But this has worked well for the couples I've helped. You know, there are some exceptions, such as where sexual dysfunction has come into play. Mm-hmm. And that may be a real thing in a sexless marriage. And we're going to talk about that later. That's kind of a different you know, there's a different issue going on there. Yeah. There may be a genuine interest in sex, but an inability. But I want to challenge those of you who may be withholding sex because there are consequences to this. And I get why you may be doing this. Like it may be your only sort of sense of power in the relationship or the the only way to get heard or something like this. But I just want you to think about this because there was a study that looked at just 77 married or long-term cohabiting couples that self-defined as being involuntarily celibate. And some of the most common responses were sexual frustration. So they were, stopped having sex because they were frustrated about their sex. Hmm. Feelings of depression. About a quarter of them reported problems with concentration. 35% described deficits in self-esteem. Wow. So these other things do come into play. But I think in behind a lot of this is there's an unhappiness with the marriage. If we could dig deeper, I kind of wish we could in that study. And sometimes I think we might withhold sex to kind of force the issue about the marriage to try to regain some power. But the issue is that it's actually working against you if repairing the marriage is what you want to do. Okay. So now, and I want to be fair here, Verlinda, because if the husband or wife is acting like a monster of like our listener's husband or wife, why would you want to have sex with him or her? And I get that, right? And But at the same time, you know, withholding sex may not be a successful strategy for moving towards repair. Like, is this really the best way to achieve the outcome that you're trying to achieve? That's the question Mm -hmm. I'm asking, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. And just kind of hear me out here because the Bible even talks about the danger of withholding sex in 1 Corinthians 7, encourages us not to do that unless both spouses agree for a time. But I'm guessing the reason why people who are unhappy or frustrated with their sex or frustrated with their marriage are withholding it is because they really want intimacy, not just sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I get that. 
But if your spouse is not abusive, a better strategy would be to address the lack of intimacy rather than just highlight it by withholding sexual intimacy as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do they do that? Well, okay, I'm going to get there. Oh, okay. We want to talk to the root of the problem, but this is kind of where we're talking about symptom versus problem, right? So if you think about what you really want that's at the root of this, it's probably connection, intimacy, something like that, like intimacy on every level. Yeah. And this may not be the best way to get there. So there's not a lot of research about how to move forward, but there is some research into the roots of what may be behind sexless marriages. And I found this really good quote from one study, Verlinda, and they had this theory that couples stop sexual contact when one spouse sees the cost of sexual activity as outweighing the rewards and no longer perceives the balance of the exchange as equitable. Oh, my dear. But That just makes it sound <laughs> so like, I don't know, in the laboratory. Okay. So let's, let's English-size this. Yes. Okay. So let me put this in plain English. So if one spouse... I think the first part is, is it simple enough? If the cost of having sex is more than the benefit. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm being used or it's not fulfilling or it just kind of highlights the fact that we're just doing something and there's no real connection between us and yeah. that hurts because our marriage sucks. Right. If those costs outweigh the benefits, then you're likely we'll to stop, stop sexual contact, right? Okay. Okay. Or if the exchange is not equitable, meaning that, you know, if you're getting your jollies out of this and there's nothing in it for me. Mm, okay. It's not like we're not pleasuring each other. Right. And it's not fulfilling equally for both of us. And it's always not like that. Then again, you're likely to stop sexual contact. Okay. 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 And then the other thing too, Verlinda, is that this is obviously sort of the more extreme. It's continuously problematic like this. It's not the usual give and take. I think in another podcast yeah. episode, we yeah. said that something like only 50% of sexual activity is actually... Oh, I don't think, even think it was that high, but yeah. Or was it 15? And then less remember. than half the time there was, it was somewhat dissatisfying. Yeah. So we get that, you know, you don't always hit cloud nine in every sexual interaction you have with your spouse. Yeah. So we won't, we're not trying to set a, an impossible standard here, but for people that really know there's something not going well. Right. This is how it goes. Right. Okay. And so the couples in this study reported that the lack of interest usually came out of one of the fall one or more of the following stressors or life situations, relationship problems, physical appearance, addictions, illness, physical and mental could be in there, infidelity, pregnancy and childbirth, sexual dysfunction, low sexual desire, which is like a low or no desire for any kind of sexual activity, or lack of sexual interest, which is not desiring sexual contact with one's spouse, but desiring or having other sexual outlets, Mm. which is not good. No. And some combination of the above. Okay. I mean, those make sense, I think. Yeah. So these are kind of root issues, right? Now, how are you going to move out of this problem of sexlessness in your marriage? It has to address the root issues. Am I making sense? Yeah. So it's not just like, we need to have more sex. Right. Turn the volume up. Yeah. It's like, we got to get to these root issues and talk about them. Okay. So if pornography is a major issue in your marriage, then your job as the other spouse is not to outcompete the porn world. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, right? Yes. The pornography addiction has to be addressed. Yeah. That's the problem. Even if your spouse is telling you you're the problem, that's the problem. It's the pornography. Exactly. Because it's not real. Yes. A uh, very practical thing. If if pregnancy and having a baby <laughs> led to the lack of interest, right? Mm-hmm. It may be that the family dynamic has shifted. The little one's very demanding and we get that, but... Is there a larger dynamic that says we need to kind of move back to now with the marriage being the most important relationship in the family? 
and the parenting one, very, very, very important number two position. Right. Right. But it could be that this has started with like just hormonal exhaustion during pregnancy. Yeah. Or there could be postpartum depression or these other things, right? So we want to be reasonable with this too and say, you know, some of those might just need time. And this is where you can agree that it's kind of mutual consent, just saying, yeah, you know what, we're going to have a few months here where we just got to get through this phase of life. Yeah. But yeah, you're still on my radar, baby. Right. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Like You're here to root for the woman in this. because I am because... Do you I've re- never been pregnant. <laughs> do you remember when I was pregnant? I'm sure you do. But it was like, I would nap every afternoon and I was in bed by eight o'clock every night. You know, I had toddlers. Yeah. I was pregnant. My sex drive was like zilch, zero. Perked. Nil. Like it just was not there. And it wasn't necessarily, or I don't think anyways, that there was a marriage issue here. No. Or there. It was yeah. just like practically my body was exhausted. Right. You know? And so those stages. Seasons of life. Oh, there you go. Those seasons of life. They're okay. Like they're yeah. natural. Yeah. You need to let your body recover. and yeah. It's okay if that's the problem. Yeah. But when it goes on and you don't, when your season of life changes and your sex life doesn't change with it, right. then you've got an issue that needs to be addressed. Right. Although I, I would also say too, like, is there a way that you as a couple can stay connected during that season in other ways? Yes. So that there's still that affirmation and appreciation. Right. Even if it's not necessarily sexual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just remembering. Do you right. remember you took me away for a weekend? And I was like eight months pregnant. Where did I take you? You took me to Medora. Oh, yeah. Was that camping? Yeah. Oh, that's always a good idea. When <laughs> yes. pregnant and it's like 35 degrees. But your comment was... <laughs> degrees Celsius. You don't think I'm doing this for nothing, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but then when it... Like, it was... I As much as I didn't desire it, you, I could be aroused. Me. Okay. I was going to say, you got me in this hole. You're going to have to dig me out of it now, baby. Uh, no, but it's just like, it's right. not like my sex drive was completely non-existent. It right. just was kind of in park and it took a little while to get it. Yeah, it was my day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just move on, Caleb, because this is a bigger deal than just pregnancy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But we want to like, what we're, I think what we're saying though, Verlinda, is that there's some that are like problems that need solved and there are other circumstances where it's a season of life. He's connected through. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And camping's always a great solution. <laughs> I just gave like way too much information. <laughs> TMI. Okay. So yeah. So you just need to be, you know, forthright about the problem. Yes. Even though it might be hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, something like physical illness or there's a sexual dysfunction that's at play. That, that's a harder one to talk about because there's kind of shame associated with that. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I would just say try and muster up the courage so you can start to talk through these things and get help and make the most of whatever your situation is. Yeah. So I think it'd be worse to say nothing and then you're just not sure. Well, the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. We all know it's there. Yeah. And while it hurts to talk about it, I think it aches to know that elephant's always around as well. Yeah. So like often we just talk around stuff except for Verlinda. <laughs> just dives right in and tells you all about the camping trip. <laughs> Caleb. So my, my final or last part here is kind of just that though, which is reestablishing patterns of communication. Mm-hmm. So I didn't bring you down here for nothing, baby. 
That's reestablishing <laughs> communication, okay? Very clear communication. Right. Mm-hmm. I paid for this campsite. It's costing me 20 bucks a night. And yeah. So, but this is the, the place to start here is to reopen the communications link however yeah. you can. So again, the research kind of showed fairly consistently that couples in sexless marriages tend not to argue about sex. And oh. here's the thing though, is arguing about sex may actually be more normal than you think. Because the chances are, if you never talk about it, it will never happen. Mm, so at least if you're arguing, you're talking about it. Yeah, not that we like people to have a lot of conflict, although we yeah. do have episodes on that. Yeah. But, you know, go after what you want. And I, again, you know, sleazy people, please disregard the content or, yeah. or the comment I just made. But if this is your marriage and you care about your marriage and you care about your spouse, then ask for what you want and pursue it. Yeah. And sometimes I think folks have just given up here. And most sexual behavior does involve some bargaining, hmm. right? Which includes things about talking about who's initiating and timing of when it's going to happen and whatever the kinds of sexual activities you get into and so on. But when, when all that negotiation and that discussion breaks down and the discussion stops happening, then people withdraw from sexual interaction. And I think this is one way that you get the sexlessness is you stop fighting for it. Mm, yeah. And this is where we're saying, now, again, you know, not necessarily that we want you fighting, but we want you fighting for your marriage. That's a good thing. Yes. And if you look at it that way, then it might give you the strength that you need to reopen this subject and hopefully get talking about root causes and why you got to where you are today and how to get back. Because sometimes, you know, it can be really overwhelming to know where to start on this discussion, yeah. right? Yeah. And to help you with that part, we've created a one-page discussion guide for you. We'd like to email you. And you can get that by opening your browser to oif.link slash 112. And this discussion guide goes specifically with this episode and sexlessness. So it's very tailored to what we're talking about today. It's not a generic download. You can get it on your web browser by going to oif.link slash 112 or by texting the word podcast to 9292 spouse. And if you have to pay for text messages, you'll have to pay for that text message. Uh, it is a long distance New York number, but it's not a 900 number or anything like that. So all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse, or you can find this bonus on our website at oif.link slash 112. I had no idea it was a New York number. Yeah, I we needed that for the 9292 thing. Oh, yeah. So again, coming back to this researcher, another researcher from 2009 named Donnelly, she was asked, can people in a marriage that has become sexless rekindle their sex lives? And she replied that, and I'm going to quote here, some do. But once a marriage has been sexless for a long time, it's very hard. One or both may be extremely afraid of hurt or rejection or just be entirely apathetic to their partner. Like they don't care. Yeah. They may not have been communicating about sex for a very long time, if ever, and have trouble talking about it. Couples who talk over their sex lives as well as other aspects of their marriages, tend to have healthier marriages, but it's hard to get a couple talking once they've established a pattern of non-communication. So this is kind of mm, yes. step one here is communicating, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's mixed opinions about what to do to rekindle marital sex, but we think a really good place to start is to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And a couple other ideas she gave was take a weekend away from the kids, go on a vacation or cruise. It's funny she didn't mention camping there. <laughs> um, find time to be alone as a couple mm-hmm. is another one. Mm-hmm. But finding some way to talk explicitly about sex is essential, whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and I think you kind of need both parts here, Verlinda, which is one, carve out time for your marriage where you two as a couple are able to be alone 
and able to speak calmly and safely to each other. The other part is when you get there, you need to talk this through. Yeah. What are you? Me in all my professionalness versus, you know, these researchers, I would hesitate planning a great big vacation when you don't know the root of your sexlessness. You know what I mean? Like if at the beginning of this week-long cruise and you're going to have a fantastic time together, you find out your husband has a porn addiction and that's why he doesn't want to look at you anymore. Then you're on crisis in the middle of a boat. Yeah, and you're not going to be enjoying that. And Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm all for communicating, but when you plan, if you plan this big thing around it to get time on your own and time on your own, yes, but yeah. a huge event. So might folks be. have already established that there's nothing like that's going to require a ton of support going on. Maybe they've just drifted. Right. Yes. Or whatever. Then As yeah. As a rekindling. Yeah. Yeah. Then this would be okay. Yeah. But like you say, if there's the possibility that something else is going on there, or you don't really know what this route is. You might want to figure that out when you're in a place where you have a support network around you or available to you. Yeah. 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 Because your answer to this search might be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the sad truth though. Tough, but real. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope your marriage doesn't stay at roommate status. Mm-hmm. And you know, it probably won't over the long term anyways. It's either going to dissolve or get better. We would like it to get better. Yeah. Absolutely. But we want you to address this in a way that you think is going to be most successful in restoring your marriage and intimacy and sexuality. So if there's any way we can help you, reach out to us. I am a trained professional counselor. You can get to me on our website, onlyyouforever.com. And I am an untrained professional wife. (laughs) You are a professional wife. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Let's shout out a huge thank you to those who left left us reviews on iTunes this week. From Australia. Oh, yeah. Five stars by Sabrina2234. Says, hi, I'm loving your podcast, listening from Australia when I'm driving around and going for my walks. Keep it up. You guys do a great job. Thanks. Thanks, Sabrina. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, Verlinda, we have yeah. listeners in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And both those countries have done two reviews each of the marriage podcast for smart people. And I've been to both of these countries, Verlinda, and I understand that there may be a healthy rivalry between the two. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of wondering who's going to be the more committed reviewers of our podcast. Will it be the Aussies or the All Blacks? <laughs> I just wonder. Uh-huh. But if you want to get involved in this awesome mission to help save marriages through our podcast, we'd like to ask you to contribute to our crowdfunding campaign. We want to reach 5,000 marriages a week. And we can't do that without your help. For even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. If you'd like to join us, please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. And once again, that URL or that link is oif.link slash give. And we'd love to have your help in that way. And speaking of Mm -hmm. contributions, thank you to Allison for becoming a patron and for just being a great encourager. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about jealousy, normal, healthy jealousy versus crazy jealousy. Mm. So how do you know what the right kind of jealousy is in a marriage? Actually, pretty interesting episode, I think. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 112. That's 112. 
Remember, we are here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if this was helpful to you, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who would also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I didn't even make fun of you on that one. Good job, darling. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.